Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Powering your property on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. And now it's time for Powering Your Property, where we give you the latest and bring you the latest in property sector news and trends. And this week, we've got a special one for you. We're going to tell you all you need to know about when it comes to finance and buying your first home. Yeah, absolutely, because the Monetary Authority of Singapore, they've warned Singapore households to carefully assess their ability to meet mortgage obligations. And those with a heavy debt load should not take on more loans. That's right. The alarm bells come as households have amassed a larger pile of debt than they had before COVID-19 struck, all thanks to a buoyant property market. But how much do you know about financing your first home? Well, we're going to find out more now from Sumit Agarwal, who is low tuck Kuang, Distinguished Professor of Finance, Economics and Real Estate at the National University of Singapore. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. So let's start off, Sumit, for buyers looking to purchase their first home. There's so much information out there. What questions should they be looking at and what questions should they be asking themselves when it comes to finance? Uh, I think there are a few things they should be understanding. What is the interest rate they need to pay on the debt? What is the right amount of housing? Most of us tend to consume too much housing. What do I mean by that? I need only a two-bedroom apartment, but I am looking to buy a three-bedroom because I think Mm -hmm. that will be for my future needs. And I can't afford it right now because the debt servicing on that may be too much. The other thing they should be looking at is, do I have enough cash flows for the next 15 years? to pay for this, and is this a fixed rate versus an adjustable rate mortgage? I mean, in Singapore, there is not really a completely fixed rate, but at least it's fixed rate for the first three years. So those are the three to four things I would be looking for. You know, Sumit, uh, I think the budget, isn't it? It's it's important, uh, as you mentioned there, knowing how much you've got to spend. Maybe uh, you could also tell us the percentage of, of a salary that one could look at. And the other number of costs to consider, the deposit, the stamp duty, the legal fees. Yeah. What, are the, what, are the, what else should buyers factor into their considerations? I mean, clearly, the stamp duty, all these are fixed costs. A lot of these mm. things, you could actually say, take them out from your CPF to use for the purchase. But the variable cost, which is your monthly payment, uh, you can, but you have to return it back to CPF. So I would advise not to touch your CPF if you can. And but try to pay from your current income and then essentially buy the right house. The biggest problem I have seen is people don't understand financing and they think, oh, I will go and get a loan from the private the bank rather than CPF, sorry, uh, HDB itself. Uh, HDB loans at times can be slightly higher if the market interest rates are very low. But as we expect in the future, interest rates will go up and so the uh, HDB interest rates will be clearly lower than what the market will be offering in the future. So let's talk about the impact that those interest rates have on the different types of mortgages. Perhaps we can look at uh, fixed versus floating or variable, as you mentioned. What are some of the pros and cons there? Uh, So typically the variable rates initially will be lower. And so you feel like, oh, I'm paying a lower interest rate. It's good. But we already know they are at the bottom. They can only go up, and we know that in, in, both from MAS and or generally 
that interest rates are going to move up in the near future or even the mid midterm. The fixed rates, while they are fixed, they are slightly higher. So your debt servicing is up upfront is very high, and you feel like, oh, why am I paying this interest to the bank or even to HDB? This this is money I could use that could be actually maybe fifty to hundred dollars a month, right. and you feel bad paying that. But I think in the long run, that may be the right approach because you actually save in the long run and just in the short run, you save with the variable rate mortgage. And so that it's all, all about calculating. You know with a fixed how much is going to be coming out of your account for the foreseeable future. It's a little less vulnerable. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. It gives you, you can do better planning, at least for the medium term. Obviously, in the long term, nothing is fixed in Singapore, so they will move with cyber and other market rates. And so you will be paying slightly higher as things uh, change. Sumit, uh, earlier on you, you mentioned about the CPF and, and perhaps mm. trying to leave that as untouched as possible. Of course, that is an option that uh, we can use to help pay for the mortgage. But what are the pros and cons of doing so? Uh, I mean, clearly, if you leave it untouched, it's a great thing because now you are actually creating a nest egg for retirement, which a lot of people may not have sufficient. But uh, we can also imagine people are constrained right now because they need housing, which is a good way to build wealth or savings for the future. So they have to dip into the CPF. But if you dip into the CPF, you have to kind of return that money and you have to pay interest on the money you have withdrawn, which is around 2.6%. So it can be expensive in it for you to withdraw from your CPF account. Uh, it just depends on where your condition is. Hence, I'd say buy a smaller house than you really imagine. Uh, that's the biggest problem. Most of us think we will need uh, four bedrooms where truly we only need two. Uh, I mean, in the life cycle, you will have children. Children will eventually move out and you'll be going from two bedroom to three bedroom back to two bedroom. And by why did you do that uh, for the short term investing in that larger house? And so just to kind of go back to the point on CPF and interest rates, are you then are we then paying perhaps double interest on our mortgage interest on the CPF and then also on the interest on the mortgage? Uh, yes, I mean in some sense. But I mean, what CPF is saying is like we would have given you interest on it, okay. but you took it out. We, you then invested it somewhere, which is in housing. So you were building wealth in housing. Right. So when you sell that house, then when you sell that house, you have to return the money back to the CPF, and essentially that capital gains you would have had in your housing, you would then pay that back to CPF. So what may end up happening is you may think I made a lot of money when I sold this house. In reality, you didn't because you ended up paying to your CPF account the interest that you owed them when you sold the house. Well, we are speaking with Sumit Agarwal, the Lotak Kwong Distinguished Professor of Finance, Economics and Real Estate Managing Director, Sustainable and Green Finance Institute at the National University of Singapore, talking about um, buying your first home and, uh, and giving general advice about property in this regard. Um, Sumit, we've talked about the interest rates, home loan interest rates and uh, many people would have been used to, certainly I have been used to, peg, being pegged to the uh, CYBOR rate, which is a Singapore interbank offered rate. And more, much more recently, um, now the Singapore over, overnight rate average, or SORA, is being linked to interbank exchange rates. What's the difference between the two and, and how can people then decide what they should be doing? I mean, I don't think the people should be too focused on these two different rates. 
because ultimately what they should care and they have to care about is what is the interest that the bank is charging on their mortgage, mm. which is a factor of many things. One, it is this indexation of what the market rate is, which is what you call the cyber and the other rate. But it is also about your risk factors, uh, individual risk factors, its location where you're buying. Many factors get into the bank or even HDB deciding what is the interest they will be charging you. And it's also a factor of what they think they can raise money in the, from, the, from the markets, like, I mean the banks. So I think they, they, sh- they can look at it, but the direction we can already see that the market rates will be going up, that which is also in the MAS's report. And also it's a general fact that inflation and interest rates will be moving up in the, in the future. And so I, while you're, you're making the point, what's the difference? I think that we should not focus on that. We should focus on what the banks will charge. Okay. And as you said, Subit, with the interest rates set to rise, how could this impact property buying plans for next year? What should homeowners do to plan yeah, so I think what is happening with COVID, a lot of people realizing that their work-life balance will change. So a lot of them may be working from home, so they're thinking, I need to then have an extra room either for the husband or wife while they can work from home. I want an office, so- I want a balcony, I want some green space, <laughs> I need a quiet yeah. space for my children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I think this is where people are realizing, oh, I need to buy bigger housing. And because of all this, house prices have been going up. So while I think we, I would encourage people to be in the housing market because this is a way to create wealth and assets for themselves. Because if you don't buy a house, what happens is you tend to end up spending some of that money uh, on, on other things, which is not really saving. Housing is like a forced savings. Uh, so I think the only thing they should worry about is the balcony may not be important. The view may not be important. Maybe that extra room is important because that may be their office for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sumit, um, I, I'm just going to, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I'm, I'm not sure you picked it up, but I, I just wanted to ask, you know, many people, especially when buying their first home, what is the ideal percentage of a salary, a monthly salary? Because it comes down, basically it boils down to, what can I afford to pay per month for the mortgage, yeah. right? Yeah. What, what is the kind of rule of thumb, or is there a rule of thumb, of the percentage of your monthly salary that you should be allocating towards um, paying your mortgage? So typically, you would imagine it's around 30 to 40% okay. is what you should be allocating to your mortgage payment because that leaves enough money for other you know, expenses that you have during the, during the month. But that's what typically people will say in, in, the, in the finance world. <laughs> okay, 30 to 40%. So at what point then would you say it's the choice between renting and buying? I mean, property prices now are a little bit on the high side. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it a good time to wait? When's so the right th- time? So that decision comes down to can you, uh, do you actually have the upfront payment? which is all these fees that you have to pay and the down payment you have to pay, which could be 20 to 30%. Now, because the variable payment, which is a monthly payment, which will be similar to your rent versus paying your mortgage, that number which should be very comparable. So if you do not have the upfront payment and you have to borrow money for that upfront down payment and the fees, then it's not advisable for you to go and buy property 
because you'll be stretched too thin and essentially may end up in trouble in the future, which you, means defaulting on your mortgage. And you've also got to look at not just your, um, perhaps your home loan, but are you going to do renovations? How much are they going to cost? Mm. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is another big problem a lot of people face around the world is once you buy the house, you have to stuff it with stuff. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> More things. Revelation. <laughs> you have to buy TVs and, uh, you know, a bunch of st- things. And we, if we don't account for that and the furniture comes in, uh, and then we realize now we have a credit card debt to buy all these things, and now I can't make my payment. And this is where people end up in default. So again, buy a smaller house than you truly, your eyes think, want. You know, when you go to a buffet, you really think I'm going to eat a lot. It's the, because your eyes are so big at that time. So stop the thinking about it. So rather than your eyes being bigger than your belly, put yeah. together a list of things that you need, costs that you're going to spend, a spreadsheet, a budget, not just yeah. for the down payment, the loan, the agent fees, the stamp duty. How much are you going to set aside then for, as you mentioned, things, renovation, <laughs> and perhaps contingency funds as well in case something goes wrong? Yes, exactly. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, when I bought an apartment, I actually had a spreadsheet with all these things exactly <laughs> that you pointed out. I went through carefully and then decided, okay, I can't still afford it. Let me buy a slightly smaller house. Okay. Well, Simit, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful mm. having you on the show. And thank you for sharing your insights. Thanks, Simit. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. We've been speaking with Sumit Agawal, Lo Tuck Kwong, Distinguished Professor of Finance, Economics and Real Estate at the National University of Singapore. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.